ago, after Santa had uh, dropped off um, our presents, we would go down, downstairs and, and uh, look at what would have been brought for us. And, and, you know, Santa being as organized as he would put, you know, just not to throw them under the tree, but he would have stacks. So like, my stack would be here, you know, my brothers all over and my sisters, uh, we each had our stack. And so the first thing that I would do is look at my stack to see how tall my stack was, <laughs> how, many, how many things I got. But then, you know what I did? I would look at my brothers and sisters to make sure their stacks weren't taller than mine. You know? So we, we counted a little bit. And you know, so I don't know if uh, that ever happened to you, but uh, also, if it's ever happened to you, uh, because of that kind of thing, where we're more focused on, the, on like what we get and you know, we, we get kind of bogged down in all the, you know, the decorations and the lights and the music and cookies and the business and the parties, and that sometimes we might forget what this whole thing is about. And so that when we get to that moment after we've opened our presents from Santa and, and we're sitting there amidst all the, the debris of our celebration, that uh, has it ever happened to you where you kind of felt let down? It's like, is that it? Is it, is it over? And, you know, that's such a, a sad thing, right? When we get to the end of it and realize that we weren't ready for it and it came and went and, and, and we, we, missed, we missed Jesus. So today, uh, this Sunday of Advent is, is so that we don't forget it. And that we don't get into that situation where all it's about is how many gifts I got or uh, I was so busy with everything that I, I forgot to be ready for him. If we, if, we, if we think about that today, uh, we can start with, the, with Mark, yeah, his first chapter, and, and what's going on here. Um, it starts with John, and the Sunday is always devoted to John, no matter what gospel we have. It starts with John and John the Baptist, and there's a, there's a scripture scholarship that, that uh, places John uh, within the uh, a group of people called the Nazarenes. They were really a, like a rigorous sect of the Jews that were awaiting the coming of the Messiah. So uh, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Levite, priestly family, uh, just on fire with their Jewish faith. This is the milieu that, uh, that uh, John grew up in. But we also know that because John's parents were uh, advanced in years uh, when they conceived John, that they had also made arrangements uh, for him where, where's he going to go when they pass, right? And so as uh, this, the, this body of scholarship has developed, they, they, they posit that uh, they had arranged for him to go in, in, to the Essenes. The Essenes were a sect of Judaism, like you know, Pharisees, Sadducees. The Essenes were a rigorous sect of Judaism, so much so that they had left Jerusalem, left the temple, because they felt like the scribes and Pharisees had got soft and that they were just accommodating you know, the Romans and they were practicing a watered-down version of their faith. And, and the Essenes didn't want anything to do with it, so they left and they went out to the Dead Sea area, uh, to Qumran, some mountains out there, and they built their monastery out there so they could practice pure Judaism. This is where uh, the scholarship posits that uh, John the Baptist grew up with the Essenes in their monastery. 
practicing this purity uh, of faith. All right. One of the rules was, of the essays, is that you stayed there. You never left. It was a group of celibate males uh, separated from society, living out the purity of their faith. And so John, being a member of that group, would have stayed there. Well, then what's he doing here? So here's the thing. Something happened between John and this community where he left. And, you know, there are, they, and we can look at what John preached and what the Essenes preached, and we can say, okay, uh, you know, the Essenes believed that there were going to be two messiahs, one royal, one priestly. John was talking about one who would combine them both. The Essenes practiced a daily baptism, a daily washing ritual. John said, no, there's going to be one baptism, and I'm going to do it, and it's only a preparation for the ultimate baptism in the Holy Spirit that the Messiah is going to bring. So there were differences. And so whatever that difference was, it was big enough for John to say, this isn't good enough. We can do better. And so he left. He left his family, basically the only family he had, and he left. Uh, and he went out, not too far from where he was living with the Essenes, and he started preaching uh, in a much more rigorous, pure way than even the Essenes were doing. The Essenes, who thought the, the Pharisees were weak, practiced a more rigorous form. John, who thinks the Essenes have gone soft, now is out there practicing, preaching a much more rigorous, Holy Spirit-inspired uh, form of, of faith. And this is where we're supposed to be. That's the whole point of what this, this, uh, this thing is. Now, last week we did Rouse Yourself. We have a four-week homily series. It was Rouse Yourself, Wake Up, and we gave you the sheets, which are at the end of your pews. Make sure you take those on your way out there and discussion questions for you based on today's readings. Uh, as a family or your, uh, in your own individual prayer, make sure you take those. Uh, but today, the, the, after, last week was Rouse Yourself. This week it's Repent. It's always repentance on the second Sunday of Advent. Repent from what? From this, this lukewarm, soft place that we found ourselves where it's more about the gifts and less about God. We need to get ourselves back to that place where John the Baptist is calling us. That the accommodation, the softness, the lukewarmness of a comfortable faith isn't good enough for us. We have to leave that and go and listen to John and to where he's pointing us. Now, if you look at you know, ge uh, geography as theology, uh, you come out of Jerusalem and you go east and you go down the mountain of Jerusalem into the Jericho plain. As you come out of the, the mountain uh, defiles, uh, there's Jericho on your left, there's Qumran and its mountain range on your right. In front of you, off to your, off to your right, is the Dead Sea. And off, off to your uh, left, in front of Jericho, is the Jordan River and beyond that is Samaria. So we know that John had left Qumran, come over here, and we know he was somewhere within this two or three mile stretch of the Jordan River before it empties into the Dead Sea, uh, but before it gets to Samaria, because the Jews wouldn't go into Samaria. So we know this is where he operated. It's a harsh, blistering, desolate, barren landscape, broken only by this thin sliver of vegetation on either side of the Jordan River. So you're coming out of these mountain defiles, it's rough, it's rocky, it's, it's, it's rigorous. And, and the Jews from Judea, from Jerusalem, were coming out to him. It was a whole day's walk through this desert wilderness 
to, to, to listen to John talk. What was John talking about? Get your act together. Repent. The Messiah is going to come, and we need to be ready for him. We celebrate Christmas and the, and the baby Jesus, and it's all beautiful. That was his first coming, but there's another one that we have to be ready for, and we don't know when it's going to be, but we should always live our life in a state of grace whereby if he comes tomorrow or a hundred years from now, the people of God are prepared. So how do we do that? Uh, we have to go to this clean, empty, desert place and dispose ourselves to, to listen. So to clear the decks, to empty ourselves of all the distractions and say, I'm open, I'm listening, I'm ready. Jesus, tell me what to do. I'm with John, I'm, with, with, I, I'm in this place of uh, fervor and fire, ready for you. Now, there's a uh, professor at Notre Dame. Uh, she uh, she kind of looks at the state of religion, uh, not, just, uh, not just Catholicism, but religion in general in the United States. And she says most religion, even Catholicism, is a devolved into a soft, comfortable faith. And, 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 and she's, she says that it's become a moralistic, therapeutic deism. How's that? More, moralistic, therapeutic deism. What does that mean? Well, more, moralism isn't morality. Moralism is moral relativism. It's I get to decide what's right and wrong. I do my own thing. Uh, I, I, I'm comfortable with the way I live, and I've adopted a secular viewpoint, and I've even adopted secular morality, which is ever-changing and based on opinions, fads, and, and feelings. Huh? That's moralism. And, and what John the Baptist would point to, and what Jesus has told us, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. There he is, Jesus, follow him. So in other words, follow the truth, and the truth is from God. It doesn't come from us. It, doesn't come, it isn't just based on what we decide. It's what God tells us. We have to get ourselves back to a place where we submit to the authority of Jesus Christ in our life, and everything in our life points to him. So no moralism, morality. Secondly, therapeutic. Easy to understand. Religion is therapy. I go to Mass because I want somebody to tell me I'm great. And, I, and I, want, I want to feel good. I don't want to leave Mass ever challenged or feeling as though I, there's something in my life that needs to change. That's not why I go. Well, that's why we are going. That's why we, we go is because we need somebody to remind us that we're sinners and we need a Savior. That, that God is so low the world he gave his only begotten Son who died for us and our sins. And that right now in our life there are things that are in the way of receiving Christ. We've got to get rid of them. It's not therapy, it's shock therapy. Right? And finally, deism. Well, what's that? Deism is, a, is an idea that God kind of like started everything and just threw us off into existence and he leaves us alone. And he's not engaged with us. So we can just kind of go on our way. We don't have to worry about him. That's not true. Catholicism at its core is, is a religion where God has invaded our space. He has invaded our hearts, minds, and souls. And he's a part of every single moment of our life. Every single moment is a capacity to mirror God's, God's love for us as he gives us the grace to live out, out that love in, in every moment of our life. There's not a moment where God is not present to us. So it's about living the truth in Jesus Christ. It is about submitting our hearts to a critique of our sinfulness. And it is, it is about a God who does that for us, but never leaves us and is always giving us what we need in order to accomplish. 
That's the answer, brothers and sisters. That there are things in our life where we need to, in some way, encounter uh, the King and invite Him into our hearts. Isaiah, John, we talk about theology being, uh, geography being theology, but it's also about his own, his own person. He was out there dressed in camel's hair, eating bugs and honey, uh, and preaching. Preaching in a particular place that had meaning for the Jews. What? Look at the first reading. It was Isaiah. Isaiah was preaching. You're sinners, but God is going to send you a Savior, and he's going to redeem you and free you. And he, what, did, what did Isaiah wear? He wore camel's hair. What did he eat? He ate uh, honey and bugs. And he was in that place where John has gone. So John is acting out prophecy. John is the last in the line of the prophets because now the one is right there in front of him. Behold the Lamb of God. And, and the people were coming out. Now, last piece of geography, topo- type, uh, topology or uh, topography, is that that whole area is hills and valleys. It's rocky, it's, it's difficult. When the king would come into a city, the people would go out and they would take all, and literally, they would take the hills that were in the way and they would flatten them and they would take that dirt and they would fill it into the valleys to make, to, to raise it up. The mountains come down, the valleys come up to make a royal road easy for the king to enter in. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what John was doing. But to do it with your hearts. Mary, when she went to the hill country of Judea to Elizabeth to visit her cousin who had conceived in her old age uh, John the Baptist in her womb and there's Mary with Jesus in hers and there's that conversation where Mary uh, says the Magnificat and she says he has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly the the rich he has sent away hungry uh, uh, sent away empty and the hungry receive good things so what, what is Mary saying that Jesus is going to do? What is John saying that Jesus is going to do? What do we need to do with our hearts? We, in our pride, where we think we don't need a Savior, I'm good, all I want you to do is tell me how great I am, and I want to leave Mass feeling good, and there's nothing I need to change. We need to come down off our high horse, off our thrones, put Jesus there, and be humble so we can receive it. And we're down here thinking, I'm so gone that even Jesus can't forgive my sins. We need to get over that one. Because there's nothing we can do uh, that will, will turn Jesus against us. We just have to, have to open our hearts to him to receive the grace so that we can come up. The lowly are going to be brought up, the mighty are going to be brought down, and we're all going to be on the royal road with Jesus. This Advent. I'll leave it here with a little tiny story. Abraham Lincoln loved a good sermon. Right? And... Uh, he would go on Wednesday, he was a Protestant, there was a Protestant church on the street from the White House and they had services on Wednesday night. And so Wednesday nights he would go there and he would listen to this, uh, this pastor, Dr. Gerler, uh, do these homilies that were really, like renowned in the area. And, and he would sit in the, like the side room off the, off the chancel in the pastor's office uh, because he didn't want to be a distraction to the crowd. They'd leave the door open for him and he'd just come in there and sit and listen. And one night, he's, after the service is over, he's walking home with a friend of his to the White House. And the friend says, well, Mr. President, what did you think of the, the sermon? He goes, I, he goes, it was brilliantly conceived. It was, it was uh, awesomely biblical. And it was, it, was, it was a fine presentation. And so the, the guy said, so you liked it? He goes, no. 
He goes, well, you just said all those great things about it. What was the problem? He goes, it, it, was, it was all those good things, but the one thing it needed to be, it wasn't. He goes, it didn't challenge us to be great. Brothers and sisters, we are here not to have our ego stroked, not to be told how great we are, not to, not to, to, to walk away always feeling like, you know, I'm a million bucks. No, we're here to be reminded sometimes that we're sinners and that we need a savior. And that we're sick and Jesus is the doctor and he's got the medicine. And that way we, we might be up here, we need to be brought low, we might be low, and we, we need to be brought here. We all need to be on the road, the royal road with Jesus. You know, that we need to be great. We need to be saints. And Jesus gives us the grace to accomplish it. We just need to realize that's the gift that we should be most concerned about. And if that is the gift that we are most concerned about, we're going to be there on Christmas Day not feeling let down like we missed another one. Because we came out to that empty, clean place uh, with John the Baptist. We listened to his searing words of judgment which peeled back the layers of our mediocrity and indifference to expose that white-hot core of the Holy Spirit. That, that Holy Spirit which opens our hearts to receive mercy, love, forgiveness, and transforms us into saints. There, on the royal road uh, to joy with Jesus, our King. Amen.